0: Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, my guest today is Jonathan Dunn, back again for the third time. Jonathan is host of Freedom's Disciple, a podcast on the Blaze Radio Network. He is here in America for the fifth time doing a speaking tour called Reclaiming America's Narrative. He's doing 65 events, 85 days in 15 states. Welcome, Jonathan Dunn. Okay, so you're... Welcome, Jonathan, back. Welcome back. This is number three for us. I'm so lucky to have you on three times. And so you are now into the reclaiming america's narrative tour four weeks mm-hmm. what's happened since we saw you in saint george so tell me what's how how's it how you've been received are you do you change the message as you go is it kind of the same thing um any pushback tell me just far, fire away tell me what's been going on with the tour
1: yeah it's been an awesome tour um it's been really hard work and um, it's been a lot of traveling a lot of driving Meeting a lot of people, it's a lot of fun. I'm never going to complain about what I do because I'm truly blessed. But yeah, it's been interesting. And the message changes slightly. Obviously, the underlying principles are always the same for me and my narrative is is pretty consistent about american exceptionalism but you know certain groups want to focus in on certain things you know some groups want more religious you know linking back to every principle towards the bible other groups want more on free speech or second amendment other speeches want more you know more political so i do try and tailor to each speech to what everyone wants and then obviously there's you know last night i had an after dinner speech so it was a bit more trying to be a bit more comedic you know trying to tell principles but you know it's an after dinner it's a fundraiser you don't want to be you know, after like four hours, you don't want to have a, a guide, you know, sort of lambasting the bull, but you. you're kind of going to go, this is why America is exceptional. It's more, it's more story. So the speeches are different, um, but the underlying tone of America's narrative, understanding why America is exceptional is always the same.
0: I went to uh, the Statue of Liberty this last week and. And I believe one of your pictures on your social media is you in, is it, did you visit Ellis Island?
1: Yes. Okay. No, not Ellis Island, Statue of Liberty. Okay. So that's remember. I did videos for the plays out on the Statue of Liberty because it's okay. amazing. I talk about the Statue of Liberty a lot.
0: Well, that, that, I've always wanted to see it. And I had more of a, a drive to go based on what I've learned from you in those last year or so. And it's one of the quotes was basically what I've been saying for a long time. You American born people, basically we have no idea what that means to see that statue and see what it represents you have no concept and we don't we there's there's no way we have no perspective or very limited perspective at least my perspective where I've came from and where I grew up and everything was just always there everything the freedoms are always there there was no I was here I was already in the club so to speak and the effort that it takes for people to get here and the efforts that you've been putting in are just mind-blowing. And it's helping me appreciate, trying to appreciate, again, I don't know how I can, but I'm trying to appreciate what we have uh, because it could be gone in in a heartbeat. You know, and I say heartbeat, it'll take 50 years probably, but it happens, you know, one piece at a time if we're not careful, as you know, but it, it just gave me some new perspective on how incredibly blessed we are to be here and to have what we have. And to be able to speak out and and have the fights that we're having and not be thrown in jail for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like that that statue I think means a lot to immigrants because Especially if you know history, you know, like that, you know, for a lot of people, you know, including my ancestors, that was, you know, you know, you know, back in times when we didn't have airplanes, you know, it wasn't like, you know, an eight hour flight from Ireland to America, you know, flights were not thing. like you had to get on a boat, and you know, it was not, you know, eight hours or even eight days, it was weeks upon weeks of, you know, mind numbing sea, you know, and then, you know, the first thing you would see when you got there was you'd see this beautiful lady standing tall. And it was like kind of, you know, I always visualize it, what they must have felt, you know, after seeing, you know, imagine seeing the same site, even, you know, something beautiful. Like, you know, when I was out with you in St. George, it's like that, that view is so amazing from Las Vegas to, to St. George. It's a beautiful drive and it's really some of God's finest work. But like, if you see that all day, every day for like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, and you see nothing else, it would lose its taste. But then imagine, you know, them seeing the oceans and the skies and as beautiful as they are, you know, you want to see some land, you want to see something different. And then all of a sudden you see the Statue of Liberty, you see we finally made it, you know, we've hit the promised land. We've had that opportunity to get to a land where opportunity is, is, is sort of given to everyone, regardless of where you come from, regardless of your, your sexuality, your education, regardless of what class you are, regardless of what you, where you come from, you have an opportunity in this country. And I do think Americans have taken that from granted, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think what's happened is, is because you have been so blessed for so long, and that's a good thing, is that sometimes you don't really appreciate how much you have until you start losing it. And I think you know Americans have seen over the last year, two years, especially with coronavirus in some places, where you are starting to lose your freedoms and businesses are starting to hurt. And there's a lot of issues. I don't know how many issues you want to talk about that I'm seeing on the ground that are people are starting to feel the pain. And I think people are starting to wake up saying, hey, you know, we have it pretty good here. Now it's time to, to get involved. And that's pretty much what I'm trying to do is trying to inspire people because I see a lot of fear from both sides. I see a lot of fear in the media. Of be afraid for different reasons. And my job is to inspire you to say, no, look, yes, there's a lot of issues you face, but your country is based on a history of always facing issues and always overcoming them as well. And if you if you are optimistic and you work hard, you will overcome these issues as well.
0: And if we're afraid, we won't. We get scared and, we, and we, we want someone to fix it for us when we're afraid.
1: Absolutely. And if you read enough of world history, when you get afraid and you want someone else to fix it for you, yes, sure, that might be the, your friends might come. That's the first time. But eventually then that that history of the world always says that friend always turns into a benevolent friend and then it can potentially turn into your enemy. And then, you know, your friend, while he might do something you like, if you give that power to that person or to that body, there's a chance that body turns dark. And in history, it usually does. And that's where real tyranny happens. So that's 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 not that's not a way to do it. The idea of America is that you solve the problems. Your your people are beautiful. Your people are the solution, not government. And that's a message that needs to be remembered because I always say at the end of my show every week, but it's true, America is great because Americans are good. You're not great because of your government. In fact, if you just wanted to look at the history of your government, you can make a case why America's a really bad nation. You'd look at your government, it's not a good actor in, in America and around the world. It's done some really horrifically bad things. Your people make you great. Your principles make you exceptional. And those are the things I would I always encourage you to grab onto.
0: Well, there is a narrative going around at least with the younger crowd that America is a mess and isn't all these great things that we've, that you tout all the time. And that was founded on these horrible things. And and obviously those truths are there, but that's becoming a narrative, at least with younger crowds. Like my kids mm-hmm. are, are saying that, you know, they're just, Oh, these founders, they were, you know, the whole these slave owners and, and how could they be the hypocrisy there? And, and again, I don't, you can speak to that more than I can in terms of, you know, the truths to that, but that's becoming, that's what I'm hearing from a lot of young people.
1: Yeah. And I think the thing is we need to, to engage with people on, on, on certain narratives. So like the one thing I always find is when people, cause obviously I'm very pro American, you know, and, you know, I'm literally the guy who will tell you why America is exceptional. and I will do it for a long time. If you let me, So I always engage with people who, like you know, don't see America the way I do. And what I always find is interesting is when I try and some of them obviously won't engage because they don't like being tied down and they just want to spew their. No, America is just evil and racist. They just want to get their talking points out. And then when you start engaging them, there's no depth to their you know opinion. It's just what they they're kind of repeating what they've been told. But then when I do engage with people and I say, well, why is it evil? Why is it racist? Why is it so bad? What I always find is a common theme. It's always the people they will say, or it's always the the, the government or there's always issues. And a lot of times they make right cases like and the funny thing is, I can talk to you about America's bad days more so than what the you know, the quote unquote younger people can. I can talk to you about some really bad days. I can talk to you about the Battle of Wounded Knee where your government not murdered but slaughtered 250 minorities, Native Americans. I can talk to you about Korematsu where you interned Japanese Americans. I can talk to you about Brown versus Board of Education. I can talk to you about Roe versus Wade. I can talk to you about Plessy versus Ferguson. I can talk to you about America's bad days still on blue in the face. But what I always find interesting is when i start talking to people about who hate america i always go well here's certain ideals what's wrong with these ideals they're that all people are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights among those life liberty and the pursuit of happiness what's wrong with those rights what's wrong with them where where are they flawed they'll never can point out to them when i start talking about the bill of rights you have a god-given right to free speech why is that bad You know, you have a right to protect yourself, you have a right to privacy, you have a right to assembly, you have a right to petition your government, you have a right to freedom of religion. They never ever engage on, well, these rights are bad. It's always just a narrative of America being bad. And what you need to understand is America is an idea, is what I promote, but there's also America the country. And America the country is based on man, and it is flawed. It makes mistakes. Why? Because we're all sinners. We're all, none of us are perfect. As much as we might want to be, or as much as we might think we are, we're not. And man will always make mistakes. And that's where the problems are. But if we can learn from our history, we can get start building a future where we learn from the mistakes of the past and we never ever make them again. It,
0: that's interesting. You talk about you know learning from the past. And I know that there's been some in the last year or so, you know, the destroying of statues and removing of, of plaques and, and monuments to you apparently, you know, depending on how you look at it, horrible, horrible humans, you know, Confederate type stuff. And I've never been a fan of doing that because I think that's erasing that bad, you know, that for, uh, kind of a smaller example. I posted something a few months back and it was me kind of making a joke about triggers you know, it was, it was a TV, it was a YouTube video and it says, this may trigger people to trigger certain feelings. And I was mocking it saying something like this will trigger actual thought. And you don't want to have, I was just making a joke about God forbid yeah. you have a thought and, and, and mm-hmm. be able to engage in something and, and being kind of callous about it. And I had some people point out that, you know, oh, okay, triggers are for people who've had trauma. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was basically pointed out that, you know, you treated this kind of lightly because uh, it's a real thing for people and don't be so insensitive. Yep. And one of my, one of my kids came on and said, you, you should, dad, you should take that down. Mm-hmm. And, and I had this thought like, no, I don't want to take it down. I will take the feedback that I got. because yep. I was, you know, people pointed out some things I wasn't thinking about and I acknowledge that, mm-hmm. but I don't want to take it down because that shows where I learned and where I pivoted. Yeah. And that's, I think, what erasing history, erasing statues, erasing all these things, I think is a bad thing. I think that's going to be harm, more harmful, harmful in the long run than, than to leave them up and learn from
1: absolutely, them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I think there's a couple of things. So one of the statues, the one thing that's really sad about our debate, and this is not an American problem, this is very much a worldwide problem, is we've lost the debate and understanding of nuance. Like, so like, let me give you an example, a famous example. If you said to most Americans and you said to some Irish people and most Europeans, give me your opinion of Winston Churchill. Most people would say a very favorable review because he was instrumental fighting Nazism and, you know, he obviously gave countless amazing speeches, you know, we will fight them on the beaches, we will fight them on the roads and, you know, inspired Britain really in dark times when, you know, right when the empire was going to fall. So you could say that about Winston Churchill. If you went to India and said, "Give me an opinion of Winston Churchill," that would not—they would be the exact opposite. You'd be absolutely shocked at what they would say, and understandably so, because what he said about and the way he treated Indians was not good. Now, just so for because this is an American audience, when I say Indians, I don't mean Native Indians. You know, in your country, I mean India, as in you know, in the Asia besides Pakistan. Yeah. So the it's really bad. So this, this we lack nuance. And I always say to people, like, you know, when we're talking about people, think of the perfect person that exists. Like, think of someone who you really admire. You're telling me they don't have flaws? Likewise on the same thing. Think of someone you really dislike or, you know, who you think is a really bad person. You're telling me there's no good attributes in that person? Like even the bad person, like you, kind of go. Well, they're, they're, there's nothing good come from them. I'm sure to their girlfriend or to their mother, they're perfectly nice. It's just to everyone, they're just else. They're you know really bad person, or rude, or ignorant, or insulting, or demeaning. But we all have our little things. There's no nuance. Now, when it comes to statues, um, it's so frustrating that we want to tear down history. I don't like don't get it, and I'll use the example because you know the, obviously the debate is around. Um, you know the Robert E Lee statue was a big issue a couple of weeks ago in your country when I was here, and they tore it down and just melted. I think that's a horrifically bad idea. Even if you don't like, it, put him in a museum and say if this is if you truly believe nothing good came from this guy, never ever let us live in a world where he exists again. But let me give you an example on the counter side that would be more I would be opposed to and I would stand against. In Seattle, in your country right now, there's a statue to Vladimir Lenin. If you know anything about Vladimir Lenin and Russia, this is like this guy is like you talk about your founders been racist. Lenin makes them look like child's play. If you believe everything the left said, like, you know, if you believe the, the founders are evil, racist, vile people. Lenin is like makes them look like child, children. Like he is literally one of the worst people to ever live. If there was a Mount Rushmore, Lenin would be up there. Lenin, Stalin, Mao, Posh, uh, Che Guevara, all these type of really murderous people. Hitler would be all on these this Mount Rushmore, right? But you have a statue of him up in Seattle, Washington. Would I be like, hey, let's tear this down. Let's burn this to the ground. No. I don't, I would like it not to be on your public square, but if it does, there should be a message kind of going, hey, this guy lived and did all these really bad things. Let us never get there. But even if let's say all the conservatives and all the, you know, libertarians, let's get this out of the public square. Let's burn it. I'd be the first one there going, no, let's not burn it. Let's take it out of the public square. If that's what's in your country's interest and that's what the people want, but let's put us in a museum and ensure that we never, ever live in a world where another Lenin comes to power or that Lenin ha- has the influence that he does where he can murder people. Let's learn from history. Let's always embark to be aspirational and to grow. Not Let's not tear it up. Because when you tear up history, guess what happens? History has this funny way of, well, it doesn't really repeat itself. It sure does rhyme a awful lot.
0: <laughs> Rhyming, yeah. Why do you think there is such a, a push to eliminate things we don't like? from people?
1: I think a lot of it is, I think, I think, so there's two answers to this and they're kind of linked. So if you can just give me a second on this. I think there's a culture in your country right now and it's around the world where people are feeling powerless. And that's really troubling to me, especially in America, because you're built on the individual. You're built on you have a God-given right to pursue your happiness. And there's a lot of people on both sides of the aisle who feel they're powerless, that they can't do anything, that they can't change the world. It's a lie, but they feel it. And I can feel it on both sides of the aisle. Now, when you have that situation where you feel powerless and you can't do anything, you want to be able to do something. And, well, let's just tear down history. And then where you have the perilousness, and some circles, I think you have a self-righteousness where we actually believe, well, you know, I was part of the movement that took down the Robert E. Lee statue and I achieved something big. What did you achieve? How many, you know, how many homeless people did you feed? How, how many lives did you make better? How many oppressed people, you know, that had their boot on their throat? No, because you've taken the statue down, you know, have no longer have that boot on their throat. Well, I did something. And I think here's a combination of we just want to be self-righteous. Likewise, when I see people on social media, you know, I see people going to go, oh, I just want to spout all this stuff. And my, my job to serve the country is I'm going to get on social media all day and argue with people. What's that changing? Whose lives is that making better? How is that making a better society? How is that making a better America? How is that making a better world? But that's what we've been dumbed down to believe that's real change. Where real change happens is when you go change the world, when you go innovate something, when you go create something, when you go serve someone, when you go inspire people. That's where real change happens. And I think people have got too comfortable going, well, I did something. I tore down a statue. And I think there's a lot of those two combinations are the reasons for a lot of people what you're doing.
0: Yeah, that makes sense in that when we say change the world too, we think of big, something Big, yeah. big, big and grandiose. So, we think we can't, but look, mm-hmm. it, it could be as simple as crossing your, you going talking to your neighbor across the street who, mm-hmm. who's a shut in or something as simple as that. That's changing. So
1: can, you, can I share a story with you about changing? The I world? think,
0: I think you can. I'll, I'll give you, so, get the platform.
1: Awesome. So, I, one of the things I've been doing, I've been meeting amazing people on this tour. And when I was in Tennessee, I got to stay with my old, an old colleague of mine who used to work with the Blaze Laverne. And I was on a radio show and I did a few speeches with her and uh, in our groups. And then one of the days on the Friday I was there, she was like, You go back to the home ground room. Cause I actually stayed in her house. She was very kind to put me up. I gotta go do some stuff. And I was like, Hey, where are you going for today? And she's like, oh, I gotta go to my church. And I was like, What are you doing in your church? We serve homeless people and there's a lot of elderly people. So we do meals on wheels who can't we bring meals to people who won't leave their house because yeah. of coronavirus or or because they're elderly. I'm like, Hey, can I come and help you? I don't know, I don't get I won't get in the way, but can I help you? And she's like, absolutely, we'll take all the hands. I just thought you'd want to rest. You were tired. Now, this story is not about me, by the way. So I went and got to meet a load of homeless people, a lot of people on drugs. And it was amazing seeing the the impact on their lives. But the one story I want to share about that was nothing to do with me. So what would happen is it was a little kitchen and they had all the meals and wheels in the background and old people came and picked them up and delivered them to these all these homes that couldn't get out but they also then did for the homeless people and people who were on drug deal the drugs on drugs like they were clearly you know on meth or on different drugs and they were addicted and they were living rough but they'd come up to the to the to the knock on the door and they'd say hey can I get some food and we'd give them a plate and we'd give them like on the day I was there it was either a barbecue pork or a barbecue beef um, in a little bath there was a few crisps there was a bit of potato salad and there was cookies there they were lucky got cookies that day um and then we they'd have their food and oh and a drink a tin of seven up or a tin of pepsi or a bottle of water and then they'd ask okay can i get my bag to go now and that was bag of perishables that was the routine but the last thing they'd ask for is and i found this interesting because and this is why i want to share the story was they'd come to the, the last thing that is, i need to head off now but can you get the candy man for me and i'm like the candy man you know, I'm a big Willy Wonka fan, so that's initially where my mind goes to. The candy man was, the last thing they would do is ask for the candy man. Who was the candy man? He was a pastor or a preacher in that church. I don't know his official type. And he would come out and he'd pray with them. But then he would also give them a couple of small bars of candy. The look on these men's faces, they're homeless. Some of them looked really rough. They looked, you know, you know, as imagine, just imagine you're a typical homeless person just really ups, t- obsessed, you know, in a lot of pain and a lot of stress, have no hope. But for that little minute where that pastor, the candy man, as they called them, prayed over them and gave them a couple of bars of candy, it was like a school boy or a school girl at Christmas. It was like they won the lotto. That is changing the world. We need stop. Need to stop looking at these big, grandiose plans. I changed the world and I saved a million people from poverty. no. You change the world by giving people a bar of candy. Something that we, you know, we buy all the time. I buy it all the time when I'm because when I'm, I'm traveling so much in cars. You go get, you know, $20 worth of fuel and you you buy a pack of Reese's pieces or a Snickers, and it's nothing. But to these people, it was something amazing. It was literally like getting a, a, a toy at Christmas, like as a kid. That's real change. And then they had a better day because of it. And then the priest felt better because of it. That's just one little thing. Another little thing, you know, my boss Glenn Beck, you you can't change the world. He raised $35 million. He didn't raise it. Everyone gave loads of donations. There were people who gave $5, $10 and then saved Christians and, and people from the Middle East. That's how you change things. It doesn't have to be these big, grandiose plans. It's you making a little difference, You know, doing any of these different things. And you can do it. Get involved in your church. Get involved in the charity. Get involved in your neighborhood. Go serve people. Go talk to people. It's so easy to change the world, but we don't want to do the work.
0: And again, I think it goes back to defining what changing the world means Mm -hmm. and it can mean it means a myriad of things so it's it's defining what it's you know Mm -hmm. but just like the story you just told giving that person some hope yeah having some hope so they can do better and that may be something they'll never that that priest who prayed over them may never know the outcome Mm -hmm. you know of of that person you just never and you never know and you may not be the one that gets to see the result of that but you still do it
1: absolutely and the thing they got from that was dignity that they you know there wasn't the relationship between well i'm i'm here to serve you and you know you're you're poor and i'm here to help you. you know it was i'm treating you as an equal i'm giving you candy and i'm treating you as an individual that's real change yeah and you imagine if we all gave everyone a candy bar and like, I know that, you know, that would cause an obesity epidemic, but, and maybe that'll cause a whole different set of problems. But like, imagine if we just, if every one of us or even 10% of us in your country of 300 million people, can you imagine if 30 million people tomorrow just went, you know what we're going to do for every day this week, I'm going to give a small bar of candy. And they weren't big bars of candy. Like they weren't the ginormous ones. They were li- like the little, uh, the fun items. size. They say the fun <laughs> size. Yeah. The fun size, you know, it's, 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 it's not really a bar of chocolate, but it, you know, it's, it's a mouthful just to, you know, satisfy yeah. the need. Imagine if we all just gave that to someone who we, we thought was having a bad day. Imagine the impact on that. And then the then the great thing about charity is very few people will get it and they get the bar of candy and then just won't pass it on. You know, you used to have this you used to have these great stories in your country where, you know, you used to have these acts of charity where people were doing in the drive through they pay for the person behind them. You very rarely had where the person got, oh, your coffee's free. Oh, thanks very much. And we drive off. What they would do is they pay for the person behind them. Dang and they it used forward. to have these chains of like 50 and 60 and 70. Why? Because we pay it forward. Yeah. So imagine if 1% of the people did it, then all of a sudden 2 then 5%. And we just started making a difference. And all of a sudden, then your day changes, especially if you're having a bad day. And someone just comes up to you and says, here, here's a bar candy. You might look like you need it. You smile. You just have that glimmer of hope, and then all of a sudden, everything else might be really bad in your day, but you can deal with it better. It's simple to change the world. It's just we're so focused on these big, grandiose plans of, well, I have to give a hundred million bars of candy. No, just give one. And okay. if I give one and you give one, it's like it's like you know the old story you know that you always say about building a wall. If you look and kind of go, I need to build this wall. geez, it looks hard to do, right? But if you just kind of go, you know what I'm going to do. Today, all I'm going to do is I'm going to lay one brick and it's going to be perfect. And I'm going to lay the cement around it. It doesn't look look like much. Then tomorrow you come back and you lay another brick. And then another brick the next day. And then if people follow you, kind of go, hey, John's building a wall. Brian's building a wall. I'm going to put my brick down. All of a sudden, then after like two, three weeks, you've got two, three rows of a wall. After a month, you have another bit of a wall. Then after like three, it might take you three months or four months, but all of a sudden you have a wall. It's not this big, oh my God, how am I going to build a wall? But after three months, it's done true little bits. That's how we change the world. There's a book
0: called atomic habits. I don't know if you've ever read it. No, but it, it, that's, it talks about changing your life that way by doing little things that just little tiny habits that you don't even think about that, that, that control other habits. And again, you don't think about, and you know, it's the same with this it's it's one little bit at a time and, and, and getting, getting out of our head, this massive earth shattering shift of, of behaviors just the little things and loving people weird how these concepts work right it's amazing why it's go ahead
1: it's actually funny you say that because i actually have something on my phone that someone sent me today you know just about change because i'm part of a motivational group and there's a few of us that share things to inspire each other and this was this was actually on saturday this was what was shared with me reading 20 pages per day is 30 books per year Saving $10 per day is $3,650 per year. Running one mile per day is 365 miles per year. Becoming 1% better per day is 37 times better per year. Small habits are underestimated.
0: Yeah. And That's the whole premise of that book. And it, it, so, yeah.
1: It might even be from that book. I don't know. It was just, it became a fancy meme and it was in our little motivational group to inspire each other. And that was what was sent on Saturday. It was, I thought it was really cool. Because again, if you think, oh my God, how do you read 20 books? Or how do you save $4,000? Well, you won't save $4,000, but if you save $10 a day, and that's a lot of money in, in today's economy, yeah. even still, but even if it's all dollar a day, you know? And, and then you get compound interest, it goes even more, which is an economic the principle. But, you know, it, 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 the, the philosophy is true. And I think that's what we need to get, to get back to.
0: How dare you talk about principles again? You're ruining the whole thing. Right? <laughs> like triggered. Yeah. Well, I, I, when you just said you were coming over again, I, I'm still kind of baffled by how few people are, are turning up to see you because your message is so amazing. I would think people would be beating down the doors paying to see you.
1: They should but be right. They should see, this be. is why Americans they are hateful be. people. You know, they're, they're right what they say.
0: <laughs> but it's so, and maybe, maybe it's the. Uh, I talked to my brother a lot about, and he's pretty centrist in his views, and about being in the middle, talking about principles is just not sexy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get people fired up, like nope. hating on other people. But it's mm-hmm. so powerful uh, i don't know maybe this time maybe you'll, maybe this maybe you'll reach you know you did your first tour a few years ago right is it was that well, no, that was the fourth this is my fifth one. oh your fifth okay well i mm-hmm. good friend i am yeah <laughs> so
1: you didn't get the talking points on that one right <laughs> no, apparently not i missed that one. i missed
0: the memo on that one
1: yeah uh-huh. no but it is it, it's just the culture we're living in right now because you know if i say to you You know, you know, let's say you're an average person and I say to you, right, you have two choices. Either you can work really hard and you can focus on yourself and you can make your life better. Or we can focus on someone else and demean them and bring them down and put them down and automatically make you look better, which is easier, which is more doable. Yeah, And sadly, because of this world we live in, where we're actually, again, going back to a point I made earlier on, where we're dumbed down to the point where we don't think we can be better, or we, we don't feel confident in ourselves to want to be better, to be exceptional, which is an American principle. I think that's that's the world we're living in right now. But I do think that's about to change. I think people are getting tired of being told to settle. I think people have been tired of being told that there's a glass ceiling. I think people have been tired and frustrated by like thinking that you know what, you know, it's it's average. Just be average, be mediocre. I think this I think we're about to break through the ceiling where we're going to start doing a lot of self-improvement and sort of go, you know what, let's actually be let's actually live our lives better. Let's be inspirational, let's aspire to be even more and like, and start dreaming again. Oh, sorry. I think. No, you're fine. I think we're going to enter that period. And I think when that does, I think things will start taking off. But, you know, and the thing is, you know, politics is always always downstream from culture. That's what the political battles are like. You know, your, your country is so, I love your country for so many reasons, but your country does have so many pitfalls. And one of them is it's got so much news, you know, like, you, and I don't know if it's the same in your thing, but every room I'm going into, when I switch on the TV, the first few stations are all news. It's CNN, it's MSNBC, it's PBS, it's Fox. And it's just all the constant and they're all going at each other and nobody ever wants to self-reflect. No one wants to focus. No one wants to hire higher standard. Why? Because it's downstream from your culture and your culture right now is I don't want to get better myself. I'm just going to point out what well, you suck. But yeah. I do think that's going to change as well.
0: I sure hope so. Uh, I, you know, I'm trying in my little way with my little show just trying to show that if we, cause I've come a long way. I used to be very, very right wing, You know, conservative right wing and I hated everything liberal that was that was pointed out or that I saw but you know I've got family in Berkeley and I hated everything they said all the time and 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 my dad would always oh these damn Democrats and always you know he's still that way but he's in a town of 100 people and has been his whole life but I've moved to the point where maybe all these things I've been fed my whole life aren't the best way and i had an interview with a guy about critical race theory a few months ago and i came away with that came away from that and i may have told you this when we met in saint george with a kind of a a renewed dedication to learn about things that are uncomfortable to me or that maybe i don't maybe i like i interviewed i didn't want to interview him but i did Mm -hmm. at the same time because it was uncomfortable for me and, and and that's growth. That, that was real growth for me. I feel like I'm a little more balanced and trying to help people realize you don't have to kill each other. Just try to understand each yep. other at, at the minimum. But people are so polarized. They just they think if you even ask them that, then you've been brainwashed by the other side. I've had several yep. conservative friends, you know, push me aside because well, you just buying into that leftist crap. hmm and I'm like, well, you guys are kind of doing the same thing. So why don't we come together? You're both good people. You know, you people, yeah. I, was, I was kind of, I felt like I was a referee in a, in a discussion because they were just bashing right. on each other. And we don't have to just yeah. learn, learn.
1: Well, I always make the distinction is that there are bad people in my industry. Um, and I've been around them on both sides of the aisle um, where there are bad people with bad intents. And there are certain philosophies that, you know, um, are really done to just divide and segregate and and pit American versus American but the one thing I always always make very clear is the there are while there are bad people in politics on both sides and there are bad and people in the media and I would generally say don't trust either of them on either side even people like that I call colleagues I always say, you know, question them everything. Question everything they say. Um, are they consistent? But for me, I always defend your people because while you know, even some of my lefty friends and I disagree with, especially in some of the stuff that the left are promoting right now, I, I'm 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 repulsed by, including CRT. Be not by what, the, not by the supporters on the ground, but by the people who are pushing it. I think it's you know, and the, the sixteen nineteen project and stuff. It's based on lies. Um, but the people who are on the ground, I will always say, look, engage- we need to engage with them, we need to have discussions, we need to see what they're feeling and say, hey, look, no, this is the truth, and and sort of counter that narrative. Um, but we need to identify who's which is which and make a very clear distinction, because they're paid actors and then they're the people. And I think as long as uh, right now you're struggling on both sides of the aisle to make that clear distinction, you just cast everyone with the one brush. Right.
0: Right, so you have what five, six weeks left of this tour?
1: I'm here for Thanksgiving, so yeah, six weeks, seven weeks, maybe.
0: Okay. What? I'm trying to give people something to take away. What can they do to become more informed uh, about the message that you're sharing? Sorry, I got dogs running all around me, breathing heavily. You're fine. Um, tell people what they can do. So like a takeaway, someone can go out and do something, make a change. It can change the world. Other than really Go ahead.
1: Follow your passion. You know, the, I think that's the one thing that, you know, we don't, it's not a one size fits all to serve. You know, if so, I always say this to people, like people always going, well, no, you should be pro-life or you should be political. Or, you should be GOP or you should be this, or, you know, you should be focusing on the presidency or you should be focusing in on, on this issue or on the debt. Follow your passion. If you're pro-life, get involved in the pro-life movement. If you're for, you know, term limits, go get involved in the term limits. If you want to care about homeless people, go serve homeless people. If you believe, you know, the church needs to be restored, get involved in your local church and, and work behind the scenes and support your pastor. If you, you know, you know if addiction has been a problem in your family, go, go do that. Or if you have family with a load of cancer or health issues then go serve with them. Follow your passion. Don't sort of feel like you have to do a certain thing because everyone else does it. Follow your passion. Because when you're passionate, trust me, as someone who's built on passion, and I'm a big guy, so I've got a lot of it, you follow your passion, you will do a lot better. You'll be a lot more influential and you make a lot of change. But also when it becomes hard work, as someone who's you know doing 65 events in 85 days in 15 states, it's not fun You know, doing all the travel and all the stuff. If I didn't like what I do, I'd be absolutely miserable. I'm not saying, you know, I'm enjoying every minute of it because, you know, the likes of tomorrow morning, I got to get up at four o'clock to be in an airport for five to get on two flights to go to Kansas for my next step set of things. And then I got a 90-minute 90 90 drive. And then the next day I've got a two-hour drive. That part is not fun. Staying in hotels is not fun. But if you're not following your passion and you're not doing something you love, you will be miserable doing any of that. And you just will become resentful and hateful. So the first thing is follow your passion. The second thing I always say to people is do focus on local get involved in local things do you don't obviously national organizations are great but like if you can serve your community where you can see impact you know in in your local church in your local community and even in your politics if you want to if politics is your answer it's great focusing on who the presidency and or who your, your representative or your senator is, you know, the House and the, and the Senate in D.C., but focus on who's local. You know, who's your sheriff? Who's your school board? Who's your who's your who's your delegates? Who's on your Supreme Court? Who's, you know, on the, on the Court of Appeals? All these different things local if you want to be political, but keep it local, keep it smart, but also keep it principled. And I think that's that's one of the things I'm trying to I always try and do, because that's one of the ways America, you know, you have a lot of power in America to change the country. And your people still have a big influence um, on what you can do. So there's two things I would always say to people, regardless of where you're from.
0: Backing up to the first one, what if someone says, I don't have passion for anything?
1: What I, I don't do- think those people exist.
0: I did. I, I was for a while. I was.
1: You, so you had no passions? At I know.
0: Up until three, four years ago, I was just kind of existing. Didn't really know okay. what doing yeah i might have had yeah i have a family and but i didn't have something that was
1: well then your passion was your family it wasn't okay
0: i don't know your I job i i didn't i was just
1: okay, i, so I kind of hit rock okay,
0: bottom so you kinda... can
1: answer the question better than i can like, because back what back changed there. for you
0: i got tired of i got sick and tired of being sick and tired of just okay. testing. and i said there's got to be a better way read a book okay someone recommended a book okay. to me it was actually called be obsessed or be average okay and that's i read good, that so that's that, a good title yes and he says be obsessed about things it's okay because so often we we think of oh you're so obsessed with that we think of that as a negative so that was that that was what changed for me so maybe maybe i just answered my own question
1: yeah well, to, to the other thing I would say to to people and to the one, if you know, if there's any people, I I very rarely come across people who haven't got some passion. It might be a case of it might be most innate thing. Like it might be, I'm really passionate about my little babies. Okay, well then maybe be the best mother and father that you can be and yeah. and go home and do it. Or you know, I'm really passionate about you know my college football team. Well then, go be a water boy or go be a cheerleader or you know go you know support them financially or something but if you're literally that person who has no passions right now here's my advice to you have an open mind and look for opportunities and you never know you know you go out to different meetings and even if you think oh my god this is the most boring meeting of all time you might just meet someone you might hear one message from you might meet a crazy crazy irish guy who inspires you about america or you might meet someone else and who will talk to you about a different issue and will spark that little bit of passion inside of you and then it becomes an appetite that you want to follow so keep an open mind and, and start looking for opportunities. Because maybe the maybe, one thing about life is, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying, maybe you can buy a six pack of passion from Amazon.
1: There you go. <laughs> It'd be great if it came in a pill, right? <laughs> the passion a 24 deal. hour delivery. Yes. Yeah. passion pill. Well, there is passion pills, but I think they're a different type of pill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. do on that, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's keep on going. But the thing about it is, is, I think, you know, the one thing about life is that we do need to appreciate how lucky we are to have a life that you know, you you have a gift and I'm I'm a Christian, so I make no bones about it. I believe life is a gift from God. And you know, whether you live five years, ten years or hundred years, you have an opportunity, you know, and you can make of it what you will. If you do nothing, you'll achieve nothing. But if you find a passion and you wanna be better, you can do it. And America is the greatest country in the world to live into. If you do have a passion and you do want to seek out opportunities, even though despite the media will tell you how there's a bad election, how there's, you know, coronavirus, how there's bad economic issues, how there's inflation, they'll tell you to be afraid all day long. America still has great opportunities. Just look around every strip. I, I've been in many different states already. I Every city I've been in and every town has been in, there's been several places literally, you know, looking for jobs. It might not be your dream job. It might be not be your ideal job, but there's jobs and there's opportunity. And if yeah. you turn up and you work hard, you never know what that, opp- you never know what that opportunity will turn into. So yeah. seek out opportunities and build on it. Because at the end of the day, what have you got to lose? Yeah. Especially if you've got no passions, nothing. It's a, it's a really exciting time to be alive.
0: That it is. And we need to shut off the TV and go out, go out onto our porch and look at our neighbors and talk to people. Right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, and actually have a conversation with people. It's it's amazing how that interaction, like we are built to com- commute commute with people. And, and to talk to people and to to build bonds with people. We are, you know, even and this. And by the way, this is coming from an introvert, one of the biggest introverts you'll ever meet. You know, I can go out and public speak and I can engage with people. And I love doing Q&A's and I love meeting around people. But, you know, there's there's always going to be that part of me where it's like, no, let's just stay in the hotel room. Let's just not talk to people. Let's let's just be ourselves. But even the introvert like me loves talking to people and engaging with people and, to, you know, having, you know, learning your stories. So there's massive opportunities So just go out and engage with people and not constantly shouting at people, kind of go, this is why you're wrong. Just that, that doesn't change anyone's mind.
0: No, no. So where's your next tour or where's your next stop? You just, you mentioned it.
1: Yes. I uh, travel out to Kansas tomorrow morning there for a week, down to Texas for a week, over to Florida for a week, back to Texas for a week, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and then Texas for a couple of weeks. And then it's Thanksgiving.
0: Awesome where yeah. people tell me the the website people can follow you again for the tour
1: at uh, donorbox.org slash freedoms disciple donor That's right
0: up. okay and then of course all your social channels
1: yeah freedom's disciple i'm not hard to miss i'm not posting as much as i used to because i'm sorry i just I, you got a lot to do driving media driving media and speaking pretty much wears me out so i'm not as active but i do share as when i can about different things and i'm still doing my show for the blaze and different things but yeah I'm, yeah I'm i'll still i'm trying to share stuff
0: you are sharing stuff and you know you got these annoying podcasters wanting to have you on their shows all the time they're annoying No,
1: i love it i like the media this is the this trust me of all the things i do been media appearances the easiest because i don't have any prep to do i just literally have to to turn up and kind of go you know i have to be here at a certain time and i gotta talk and i don't have to prep i don't have to think you got you you're the driver i just have to be a good co-driver and just not take us off the (laughs) roads
0: All right, man. Well, thank you again for updating us on your, your mission. It's phenomenal. And I'm, I'm growing and learning. I've got a, a, a new constitution sitting in front of me, a little pocket constitution awesome. that I'm looking at again. Um, awesome. That came from the group in St. George that had you down there. Awesome. I'm learning, I'm getting there and just appreciating it. That's, you know, again, it may take my whole life to, to fully appreciate it but one day at a time it's like the little habits
1: absolutely and i will say that that's the one thing about your history that's amazing as someone who has been studying your history for oh god nigh on 20 years i'm still learning and i i haven't even touched the surface of your history so you know it's it's a lifelong journey and it's not it's not a competition it's not a competition. You know, you're not competing against me. You're not competing against anyone else. You're competing against yourself or where you were yesterday. And if you can, yeah. you know, find some inspiration or you can learn something new about your country, you can learn a different, you know, different opinion, you're learning and then just keep learning okay. something new every day. And then all of a sudden, 20 years, you know, you, you'll know a lot about your history or, or you'll know a lot about something. So it's not a competition, but just, I always just try and remember, you know, the one thing I always say to people about your country is, just understand how you change the world and why you live in the world that you live and why you have things that you can do right now that in the history of the world are still very
0: thank you again for listening to the parish the thought show we would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com feedback if you love or hate what you hear please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us you're still here? Click on the next episode for more from the Paris the Thought Show.